Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Lee Parsons, CEO of Opulus, who's changing how artists access the funding they need to pursue their music. This is the first time we're getting deep into where DeFi meets the music industry. So I'm super excited about this episode. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Lee, welcome to Mint, my friend. Thank you for being on. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, pleasure to be here, Adam. Uh, yeah, big, fan, big fan of the channel. So uh, looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you, sir. Excited to have you. Uh, this is the first conversation we're having, uh, I guess, explicitly on music meets DeFi. We kind of treaded around the topic across like 20 other plus seasons, give or take. But I'm glad you're on because I know jack shit of where DeFi meets music. I have ideas. I have thoughts. But you're the real expert here and why you're here today. So let's jump right in. Who are you? What does the world need to know about you? Uh, but more specifically, Lee, how'd you get your start into crypto? Um, so originally I was working in the music industry. I run a company called Ditto Music. And I started that with my brother back in maybe like 2008. And the story behind that was just really quickly, we were in a band. We were trying to get our music out. We, we were on a record label that dropped us the day the song was supposed to come out. We just didn't know... We didn't know how to release our music. And at the time, everyone was still doing CDs. It was like the end of the CD era. Um, and we were the first people to get a contract with Spotify. I think there was like four major labels on us at the time. And we just started a company that helped artists get onto Spotify and iTunes and Apple digitally. And then they keep all the rights to their music. Um, and it's, it's a tiny little idea. But at the time, it just, you just couldn't get onto Spotify or anything like that without having an intermediary. So I grew that company into like having half a million users, uh, no VC backing, just me and my brother working away. Um, that's, you know, I don't know, probably about 300 staff in, in most countries now. We've worked with some of the biggest artists in the world. And then around 2017, I was in the Philippines because uh, we have an office out there and a producer friend of mine, was he's a friend now, but I just met him, a crazy guy. Um, which he just sat me down and told me about Bitcoin and I, I did, I'd heard about it, but I didn't, I didn't, obviously I just hadn't really looked into it probably because no one explained it to me. Um, we spent like a day just drinking beer and he was telling about all these kind of different things he'd been doing and he built, he bought a house from his, you know, what year and he talked, he was talking about Ethereum and then loads of really bad coins that I ended up buying. But, but <laughs> what, he, he what met, year he, was this? What, well, what this, year was, this? this was like early 2017, right? I think Bitcoin was about $3,000, something like that. Okay. So, so that's then, like the low period of the cycle. Yeah. So okay. it was awesome. So I went, so I was like, man, well, this is obviously going to take off. I went, I thought, right, I'm booking my flight home the next day. I'm going home. I'm going to take everything out of the bank and I'm buying everything I can. So I, I literally went home the next day. I'm, I'm quite a let go kind of guy. They'd worry about it afterwards. I went home. I, I got this book. What was it? I think it was, was it? It was just about, I can't remember what the book's called. It wasn't banking on Bitcoin, was it? Or something like that. Could and it have just been. went into, it might have been. It talks about Ethereum and how you could use it in the future in, okay. you know, in a Tesla and all this stuff. And I was just like, man, this is, this is obviously the future. There's no way, you know, with the current banking system versus what this is offering, that's going to survive. I'm 100% confident in this. Let's go. Went to the bank where I lived. I said, right, I want all my money out the bank. You, you guys are finished. And this is, I was, so, you know, really? when you just like, I was so hyped up about it. I was like, you guys are finished. You'll give me all my money. And they're like, you can't have, <laughs> and they were like, you can't have all your money back today. And I was like, what are you talking about? Give me my money out the bank. Um, and I'd already, I already fallen out with this bank because I took my mum in there once. Um, and my mum was actually the director of my company because she was, 
she just she had to have that kind of level of security to do something. And I took her in. I said, like, you know, I want to do some sort my business account. And they thought I was they thought I was trying to set an account up with my mom. And oh they were just they, they were really rude to me. They're like, okay, well, you know, we can't do that today, sir. Sorry about this. And and then my mom phoned them up and they ended up sending her a big bouquet of flowers and all this other stuff apart because they obviously looked at my business account and thought, whoa, because <laughs> you know, we pay out tens of millions a month at Ditto. And they just literally shooed me out of the bank like I was, you know. Wow. So I'd already fallen out with this bank. So I went back. I was like, well, I want my money out. They wouldn't give me my money. This girl comes out with this pamphlet and goes, look, you can earn 1% interest. It's, I was like, Woo, let's go. Get out of my way. So it took me about three days. I took all my money out of the bank. Um, I moved most of it into uh, like Coinbase and Kraken, I think, and other stuff. I nice. bought all the Bitcoin I could buy. I can't, I can't tell you how much money it was, but you know, I had a, had a decent amount of savings. And then I watched it all go up to like 20 grand and I'm just like, man, I'm a genius. I'm a wow. genius. I, this was like three months later. So I'm like, man, wow. I'm, I'm a trading genius. This is brilliant. And then my mate from the Philippines, get my friend from the Philippines gets back in touch and he's like, uh, man, if you really want to make money, you need to get into these altcoins. I'm like, really? So you can imagine what happened next. I went all the way back down <laughs> to less money than I started with. And then, um, and then that took us up to like January. And my friend who you just saw, Fernando, me and him were just so far into it at that point. I was like, man, looking at all the problems we had in the music industry for reporting and, you know, getting giving money to people and i yeah. started looking at what bitcoin you know what blockchain blockchain could actually do and you know away from all the speculative nonsense about the price and everything i was like man this is just still you know i was still pretty happy with it and then so i started what a company called blue box which was the original version of opulus and i was doing that for about two years man and like it was so it was such a mad experience i was going to like china and i was meeting i met all of the blockchains you know some horror stories, man, with some of them, you know, these, I'm talking about really big top 20 blockchains who had three staff and, you know, not even a proper office. And I, I talked to all of them. I started trying to build my product through a bear market. I couldn't get any funding from anybody. Wow. And this is having a company that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, Ditto, you know, which is one of the world's biggest distribution companies that I own. No one was interested at all because it was a bear market, right? And for two right. years, absolutely no one cared about crypto because it was going down every day. And then, around when was it must have been like 2019 20 when my one of my one of my founders miles he was one of the original people who put together algorand and he was one of the first lead investors and when i say put together i'm talking about on the finance side he put like the, he helped it was in cosmos capital he put like the seed round for got you know, who got investors in um so he had a contract out contact algorand i spoke to him a few times before and then we kind of knew a bit more of what we were going to do, but those two years were crazy, man. And it was, honestly, I thought this is never going to happen because the market was so bad. And then we got some funding off Algorand to kind of build our DeFi products. And that was around what September over a year ago. And then the market all just turned and it went crazy yeah. again. And since then it's been like, um... but anyway, that's how I got into crypto. <laughs> and since then, I, do you know what the best thing I did? All the money that went back down to zero, I waited until, um, that March when COVID hit, I think Ethereum was about $90 and I put everything into Ethereum and just left it and Solid. staked it. So, you know, I was, uh, I, I won. So everything is locked in Ethereum now. Yeah, man, I've got other stuff. I've got a lot of Algorand and I've got a few things, but for the most part, and I've got a lot of stable tokens and stuff now, but I don't have, I don't have anything in the bank really. I don't ever use banks. I just use, use my crypto. Lee, can you talk more about like the hype around where music meets crypto right now uh, and what's going on in the current state? 
and, and I want you to take it also from the point of view of because you have such a deep history and you have such deep roots in the music industry, what kind of problems are you kind of seeing Web3 solve as of now? The biggest problem we've had in the music industry has always been lack of transparency and lack of, lack of reporting, right? So be, when we were doing CDs, imagine this. Like we, did, we've got, we have Spotify now, so you can track exactly how many plays your song has because if you don't, you know, if, if you give someone a report and it doesn't match up with what they're seeing on Spotify, it's completely different. You imagine what it's like in CDs when a, yeah. a, label, a label would... Man, I have friends at labels... And they were saying they would literally just cross out columns and just make this up and put that there. And artists oh never God. used to, artists never used to make any money because the record, if you even a record deal now, there's artists I know who have signed a record deal for like a hundred grand. So they get an advance and they think it's loads of money. The record label takes ninety percent of your copyright for the most part. If it's not hundred percent, you get so you get ten ten. No, sorry, ninety percent of your profits. Right, ninety percent of your profits are coming and go to the record label. And out of that 10% that you get, they pay for everything. So, so say 100 grand comes in, your video costs 50 grand, that's gone that way. We spent 20 grand on this, that's gone that way. There's five grand left. The record label will take 90% of that, which, and then get what's like four and a half grand, and then give you another. So, you end up with nothing. Artists Jeez. end up with anything. And then they own the copyrights forever. So, the, the actual song you've made, the reason you see so many artists complaining at the moment is because everyone from you know, pre Spotify, pre independent era, doesn't own anything so 10 years later they've got no income coming in and they don't own anything and meanwhile the record labels are making i can't know it's like three million dollars every hour at the moment just Jeez. in streaming i mean it's it's a crazy amount of money but it doesn't trickle down to the people actually making the music that's the biggest problem people would have to when i started ditto it was it was just crazy to me that unless i sign with a label i can't get a song on the radio because if it's not in a shop you can't get it in the radio and one in every probably 10,000, 20,000 artists were signed to a label. And the competition was so fierce assigned to a label that you take the worst deal ever. And that was a problem. Right now, it's all kind of shifted the other way in, in, in the direction of the independent artists because you know they don't need labels as much. They're holding on to their copyrights. But the one thing they do need is funding still. You know, Because if they want to raise right. you know, 100 grand to go and do a video or something, how do they get funding? Because the bank's not going to give them money. Uh, they don't want to take them a record label. So where are they going to get the money from? So I guess that's kind of how, that's how Oculus came in on the DeFi front because what we do, Got it. our DeFi is backed by artist loans. So say someone, I mean, we work with a lot of big artists. I don't really want to name them on here, but say you had an artist that um, is earning $1 million a month. It's a crazy amount of money. And you know what artists are? So they, they're earning $12 million a year and that's backed by their copyrights. I know exactly what they're going to earn in the next three years because I can see from their from their analytics and their Spotify and what playlists are on, how much money is going to come in. Now, they still can't go to a bank and get a loan on that money because they don't classify it as a proper earnings. Meanwhile, music copyrights are one of the fastest growing mm. assets in the world. The fastest growing, faster than anything. They're up about 100% in the last few years. So everyone's trying to buy these music copyrights. So why can't an artist who's making this money get a loan? With Oculus, they can take a loan out of the pool that's in the middle so say they take a loan out of $5 million, then that is, that is a staking pool that's lending. And then people can come into that pool and stake their money and in interest on that money. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of, it, it's like a normal pool, but it's actually backed Got by it. an asset that's earning money. So th this is the revenue that's being generated from their copyright contracts that they otherwise can't go and get financing from, from a traditional bank, right? So yeah. you guys are coming in as that new modern bank to provide them the financing that they need to kind of tap into the value that they're generating that they couldn't otherwise tap into, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And the independent market is wow. now 60, 60% of the whole. When I started, it was like 10, but now it's like 60% of the whole market and growing. So most people have access to their own money and their own copyrights. And what happens is if they don't pay the loan back, I mean, they have to pay it back anyway. Most of it goes through Ditto right now where it's automatically taken out. If they don't pay it back, we take the copyright until it's paid back and then they get the copyright back. You know, but the, they can only take a loan out, obviously, if they're already earning money. So it's, it's really 100% rate of them, you know, us getting the money back. So that sounds incredible. That sounds like it's a win-win-win situation, right? What, what am I missing here? It sounds like I'm just having this aha moment. And I don't know this. This is why I'm asking you, right? Like, that yeah, sounds like such a big problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And I think that's what we should be doing on Web3. Like you said, the best thing is it's connecting someone who wants to stake money and support someone and someone who wants, who wants to borrow money. And it, you don't need a bank, like I said, who's going to take four days to let you take your own money out and throw my mum out the bank, which I'll never forget. But it's the, that, <laughs> man, to be fair, to be fair, they sent her. That's how my mum. You don't mess with my mum. She got a bouquet of flowers, mate. You know that just shows you, right? There's Is she involved in Opolis right now? Also, nah. I mean, look, my mum. My mum. Uh, my mum is just she. She. Uh, well, she's she was always involved, right? Your mum. Yeah, always. Always telling off. So, so Opolis came into the picture again. What was it? What was the year? We actually launched last January, which was January twenty twenty one. But we've been probably. I've been working on on Oculus with Algorand for nine months. And I've been working on the previous product that was still linked. We had investment for like R3. Don't you know R3 called the blockchain and a few yeah. other people. Yeah. And that, and we were running two projects and then we kind of merged them into one as Oculus for about 18 months ago, something like that. Okay. So Lee, so uh, let's scenarioize for a minute. Okay. Let's say Lil Pump comes to you. I know you guys did a drop with Lil Pump. Maybe he's actually not applicable. Let's say a big artist comes to you right now. Okay. And, and, <laughs> not, not Lil Pump, a big artist. No, 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 no. I say because you already did a drop with Lil Pump. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's fine. Right. You can insult Lil Pump. No, 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 no. He's he's dope. All right. You, a big artist comes to, to Opolis, right? They say, okay, I'm earning X amount of money per month. Here are my contracts, okay, that justify that. How do they tap into Opolis? Like, what does the step-by-step -step look like now? Yeah, so at the moment when we launch, right, eventually it will be open to any artist to do so if you're earning $300 a year you'll still be able to you know apply for a loan and it okay. will at the moment we're looking at the bigger artists with bigger loans so we can fill those pools very quickly Got do you it. know what I mean so they're all kind of worked out from Got it. You know, from what they're earnings but we have there's so much data out there it's very easy to kind of see what they're going to be earning it will go through an algorithm that will tell you how much money they can borrow and then it's really simple, man. It's Got all it. obviously it's an algorithm that's, and it's obviously mathematical and stuff, but it's um it's all in the blockchain, man. So transparency. And what what is the interest rate on the loan? Um, well, obviously there'll be different interest rates, right? So okay. you'll have some that will be shorter term loans or longer term loans, but you know we want to be able to be around the ten percent, you know, zone for people staking, and then add other rewards in for people using the Oculus token. So it'll go up a few percent, the same as you would have on a Nexo or anywhere like okay. that. So if you stake a certain amount of Nexo tokens you know, you get, you get a higher reward. Got it. Got it. Uh, I want to talk to you more about this SNFT that you guys kind of like coined at, at Opolis. Uh, it's, it's called the security non-fungible token. It was the backbone for the little pump royalty drop that occurred, if I'm not mistaken, on, on uh, Republic, right? Yeah. It was taken on Republic. These, these security-backed NFTs, these security-approved NFTs, they're like one of the biggest question marks and excitements in music ex crypto, let alone crypto in general, right? And a lot of people are trying to figure out how do I overcome the securities issues that 
have been around since like what 1946 that mm-hmm. have kind of like stumbled many many people from quote-unquote innovating because of these laws that the sec believes uh protects the everyday investor or the accredited investor right yeah protection. but you guys have found a way around it okay in your own unique nature for the most part give or take i want to learn more about that what is an s nft how do you think about it how did you come to picture with it so yeah so it's not even that we found a way around it we're just okay. doing it we're just registering it as a security with the sec okay. and eventually we'll have an exchange where you can trade that as, as you would a normal nft but you know, it takes time to do this stuff. It's a 12 months period to register mm. something with the SEC, but you know, or you can take the chance and hope that no one comes knocking on you in 12 months. So it's a very hard thing to do. But I know for me, I'm looking at this very long term. And I even know from speaking to people at, you know, some of the big exchanges, they think the next wave of tokens coming through could be securities because, you know, once the SEC do start coming into this industry and working out what is security and what isn't, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of projects out there that are questionable, even just, you know, even just DeFi products. And even some of our DeFi products will be SEC registered um, on some parts of it because it's just, once you've got that out of the way, it's a lot easier. And as far as an SNFT, you say with a little pump sale, we broke a song up. I think it sold into about 1200 pieces. Um, they all got, on, they all get an artwork NFT. They all get royalties off the song. The song's already done, I think over 3 million on Spotify alone. It was one of his biggest songs. Because once you once you put the song out, all the community of people that have bought it are just streaming it to death. So it's kind of a win-win for both communities, really. Um, but yeah, for me, building long term, looking at it from you know two, three down years down the line and where it's going to be, then definitely um, having it as a security. You know, it makes no difference to the audience and the community. Right. It just make, it just makes it a lot safer. And the other thing is, you're dealing with artists and their managers and their lawyers. And it's very, very difficult to get something. Even if I thought it's not a security, which, you know, I'm 50-50 anyway. Once I come to, you know, one of the biggest artists in the world, are they going to want right. to take any risk as something being a security? No. And their lawyers yeah. their lawyers won't either. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I'm adjusting the screen here. So for people who are watching uh, on YouTube, I just want to get an idea of what like, what the what the user flow kind of looks like, okay? So when it comes to actually registering a song with the SEC, because that's what essentially it is, you're registering a security with the SEC, to do a drop, it took 12 months from what I understand? Now, to be honest, the, we just announced another one today, actually, and we'll have okay. another one out in about three weeks, which is Kyle, okay. which is which is an amazing artist, and he's gonna he's doing his full album. It doesn't take 12 months. It's, it's, quite, it's quite quick to do. The problem is... You know, when you do the first one, it's it's difficult because even though it's SEC registered, there's so many guidelines. We kind of spent probably the last three months just making sure all our contracts are good and we can get them done really mm. quickly. And now mm. we're now they are. We've got them all lined up for the next few months. Got it, got it, got it. What do you? What does like the future of music NFTs look like at Opolis? Like, what is your thesis around this entire space and around this entire movement? So we're launching a normal standard artwork NFT platform, and our next drop has you know we'll do artwork uh nft drops it's really hard it's really strange man because when you hear you know i was listening to gary v talk you can't get away from him, can you about music nfts and he's like it's as and it, the same thing it's like, actually what do you mean the future of music nfts are it's all very good saying it's going to revolutionize the music industry but what are they actually going to do does anyone know what they're actually going to do and i think i think right now no one does. We're just kind of working in it as fast as we can to dictate where it's going to go. For me, an NFT is the best way of storing an asset on the blockchain and proving ownership. So the most natural use for it is saying, you know, I own this piece of copyright. I'm, 
I own these royalties that are coming in. And I also have a, you know, I have a digital representation of that and have an artwork representation of that. For me, that's the most useful one because we're also building an exchange where they can be traded. And if you want to go and trade copyrights at the moment, they're not liquid. You know, I can go and spend probably three months trying to buy, I don't know, a Lewis Capaldi song, a piece of catalog, but it would take me three months. It's probably going to cost me $100,000 in legal fees. What I can't do is go and buy, you know, $100 worth of a copyright because no one would do that. A lawyer wouldn't do it. The way we're using NFTs is to break all of that down, make them tradable, make them being able to buy as a, you know, a small portion. And that's where I see that part of the market going, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's, what, that's what we've been building for a long time. As to everything else, it's the wild west we'll see right so let's talk about the wild west because there's a difference between collecting something to collect and there's a difference between owning like collecting to own right and own an artist share of something and it's a very much a gray area like there is no distinct definition of what's better than what because even the economics behind owning a song don't really play out the way people kind of imagine it too for example we have yet to see like an actual use case an actual scenario of somebody making legit money from part of a song share that they bought partly because all this is new. How mm. do you think about the difference between collecting to collect and collecting to own? How do you, how do you decipher the two? Well, we're, I'm trying to make them both collectible, right? So the one we launched okay. today, it's the same, you know, it, you, have, you have an artwork drop, which are very collectible alongside you have the song drop. Now, I can calculate how much, you know, Kyle's NFT is going to earn over the next few years for someone. And they are going to get, you know, the, even the, the people who bought the little pump NFT are going to make a lot of money from it because you know, at some point over the next few weeks, we're paying everyone out for the first three months and they're going to be like, you know, I've got money here. This is crazy. So if you compare that to other NFTs that are just a piece of artwork that's probably gone down over the last five months, you know, that's huge. And then obviously, whoever your who's your favorite artist? In the space, in the music NFT space, there's a bunch. There's people from Silencia to Queen George to Daniel Allen. The list goes on and on and on. I collect a bunch of them. Oh, amazing, man. Um, on the music side, who's like your favorite musician? musician so i'm a drummer so now we're getting oh, really you can see like the like the little outline of the drum oh, nice. kit i guess yeah. like the thing is mirrored but my favorite drummer has to probably be either tony royster jr uh steve gad um there's it's endless it's endless but i guess from like a, like an artist point of view maybe from like a singer songwriter right now I would maybe say Amy Winehouse. I love him. I'd love to yeah, own so, something from Amy Winehouse, for so example. We we nearly did an Amy Winehouse track. It was okay. just I was a, I was a bit worried about legalities on it in the end because it, the ownership was a bit unclear. But I guess for you to own a piece of an Amy Winehouse track, that's going to be really collectible. Now, even if it's not going to make you a millionaire, correct? It'd be, be cool. Like, it'd be, yeah, it'd be cool it'd to be say really like good. I own a little bit of this song when I yeah. hear it play. So that's so that's where we are. Really, it's about there's a lot of different reasons why someone's going to buy an SNFT. So someone, what a Kyle fan. They want to support him, right? That's the first thing. They want to, you've got, then you have investors who want to make money who think, well, this Kyle album's going to do really well. So I'm going to buy it now. And in three years' time, I think the value is going to go up from it. So you have investors. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of all different types of people that are, are going to want to buy something from a musician. I think music, music is the one thing that everyone is, you know, is passionate about. If I was selling, you know, there's, there's people, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, Lofty AI and Algram, which I think is awesome. And they do the same kind of thing for houses and you can buy a little piece of a house, but it's just, I just, they're not going to capture the same pas passion as someone right. buying a piece of an Amy Winehouse song, but I'm not dissing that project. I think that project's great. But I think the one thing everyone has is that love 
everyone has a famous, you know, favorite musician and everyone has someone that they think actually, yeah, that's, that's something that I want. Yeah. What's up guys, Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, Avagachi, Zed Run, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. You know, a lot of the music NFTs that I collect today, they have no real value for the most part. The market determines their value, right? When you introduce royalties into it, you introduce a whole other metric that potentially values the song, the collectible in a completely different light because mm-hmm. it's revenue generating, right? You can you can show data to back its value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm also trying to debate like, which one do I prefer more? Because the majority of the ones that I collect right now are just purely collectibles, right? And also there's no real way to listen to them just yet and to enjoy the collections that I that I kind of bought into, right? Which is another problem that I want to talk to you about, like the consumption layer. How do you imagine the, the, the decentralized Web3 consumption layer for music looking and feel like feel feeling like is it going to be like a decentralized spotify that builds on top of all these open networks that allows anybody to listen to anybody's song but people own different versions of them whatever it may be and then there's like a governance token that pays people out as royalties you know what i mean like what what is yeah. that what does that look like a few years from now because no one's really doing that yet dear me there's a question I think it'll look. It'll probably look like the last thing we expect it to look. Because, no. it, I, don't you think though? Because when we all come into this space, you know, pets.com example, all the internet businesses that you know we thought were all this. Well, this will be, you know, everyone will go to pets.com to buy dog food. Like no, one, no one wants to do that. But yeah. they do want. To, they do want to go to Amazon and buy everything. And all those different things that came along were were not what they thought we'd be. I don't think we've seen the best UK that's going to beat Spotify at the moment or anywhere near it. Because Spotify is everywhere. It's on your television. It's on your laptop. It's on your, you know, everywhere you want to be. Spotify is. So how are you going to take something from Web 2, from Web 3 that's going to beat that? It'll happen because, you know, the same way Napster happened and the same way all that happened. But right now we don't really need it to happen as a listener. I mean, we need it from a music musician standpoint to, to things out. But you've got to change the whole Community moves faster than technology, right? That's right. how things move. It's not technology. You can't sit around and think, well, let's find an answer for this from a tech-wise. Eventually, the community will discover a way of doing it, and we will all just be like, yeah, well, there you go. That's what we wanted to do. Mm. I wonder where, where Apple and Spotify <clears throat> kind of come into the picture. I, I, how do you imagine like the ecosystems, both ecosystems implementing NFTs as part of streaming services, for example? Do you think they're going to allow people to purchase songs uh, in addition to stream them and listen to them? Or... You know yes. what I mean? Like, where does that come into play now? Spotify just announced that they were doing that. Um, they are they doing ju- NFTs, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. brilliant. Yeah. My token, token shot up 100%. <laughs> I hope they announce it again. Um, but even then, I know Spotify very well. And I speak to them all the time, and they don't have a clear path at the moment. They're just kind of looking at it and looking at where where it should be. But 
you know, it's like Facebook going into the metaverse. They're going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to win because they, they're Facebook. They don't have to do as much as someone else has to do to beat Facebook. So yeah. I think as long as Spotify make the right moves, they're going to win. But that's also not going to stop an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid coming up with an answer and changing the whole thing, which I yeah. hope will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm curious to also hear your point of view <laughs> of like, does the Web3 market favor established artists or up-and-coming independent artists? Maybe not even up-and-coming, just like new independent artists. Um, it depends what you mean about Web3. I mean, how do you mean like NFT? So let's say, NFT let's talk about the Ethereum community, for example, okay? Ethereum community, they support innovators, right? A lot of the entire foundation of Ethereum is innovation, right? We are still in the innovators adoption cycle, right? The really, really early stage of the adoption curve. Right. And from what I've seen, you see creators, let's say like Daniel Allen, who was absolutely nobody on Twitter, raised $180,000 with 200 followers on Twitter, raised that amount of money in less than 48 hours. Right. They saw the innovation within his model of sharing a percentage of his artist share right into his EP that has yet to be produced. That is not yet revenue generating. There's nothing to prove its value. Maybe there's some data on Spotify to show he has about a a million monthly listeners, but still not a substantial amount. That project went absurd. And it also influenced the the evolution of this new wave of Web3 native musicians who went to go ahead and then copycat a a similar Mm. model to his of of, of basically forming a creator DAO, distributing his percentage of artist share into that creator DAO, issuing a governance token that then collectively everybody kind of buys into and then raising money off that governance token to then crowdfund an EP, right? That entire, and it's a very like web three native model, but it comes from an independent artist who otherwise wouldn't have the traction as Little Pump, as Soldier yeah. Boy, as Kanye, et cetera. Yeah. How do you think about that? Like does the, does the Ethereum community, does the crypto community, web three community, whatever buzzword you want to tie to it, the current state of where we are today, do they favor more the up and coming independent artists that aren't tied to a record label or the ones yeah. who are, revenue generating or the ones who are established that have a fan base etc what, what what have you seen that i'm kind of kind of lay out as yeah so i'd say there's this big difference you know most people i mean you know most people on ethereum aren't your, your average pop music fan anyway right because you'd have a hard time the audience you know the audience of music fans i guess would definitely favor the independent musician of ethereum but i think if you look at what he's done as you said, it's not going to keep replicated over and over again. If you look back at when MySpace launched, you had a few artists who became superstars because they got in there first and did something amazing, which he, which he obviously did. And everyone was like really excited about it. So he has done something for the first time that was genius. And, you know, and that's worked. Is that the model to keep it going forward? It could be actually. I mean, it's similar to what we're doing. Um, but I guess everyone who works in Ethereum is a bit, is a bit to the left anyway of what they want to kind of, so they're going to support that. You know, it's unlikely he's going to go into a BTS forum and get the same response. Sure. It's terrible, but I think, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's obviously, he's obviously done something really, really good there. Yeah. I, I'm curious, like a lot of people are like a lot of people in crypto are both listeners and collectors, but a lot of people outside of crypto are not collectors. How do you make in turn more listeners into collectors? into investors right? yeah so i guess the the funny thing was when we the first one the first sale we ever did was for a guy in england called big zoo and taylor bennett who's chance the rapper's brother and they were they're just friends and i was like man let's just let's just put a song out and split it and 
and see what happens. And that was probably about 18 months ago we did that. And I, I don't think our audience had heard of either of them at the time. But what you saw was incredible. These people who bought like a tiny piece of a song for like 200 bucks started playing their back catalog. The one guy hosted a party at his house where he was playing the song and for all his neighbors. And it just created this crazy kind of super fan of people who didn't know anything about the... I'll tell you one thing, right? After working in music for, what, 15 years, when a song is making you money, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> you know, I, I have a playlist of ditto stuff, but <laughs> some, of it, some of it's difficult hearing, man. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> the, the, the little pop song's not going to win. It wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody at all, that one, but it sounds pretty sweet when you know you're getting paid for it. So these people, you know, are massive fans of these mm. artists now. And you know, and they actually do like the music because they feel so much more connected to it than someone who's just playing it. Now you imagine a fan who actually is, you know, someone who does know that artist and is a super fan and has that song and they want that artist to win. Cause you know, music fans are the most obsessive people community there is. Yeah. Um, and they're doing all that for free right now. You know, the BTS fans are, you know, they just spend all their day on Twitter, you know, yeah. having to go at everybody that says anything bad, but imagine when they're actually getting, you know, paid for doing that. It's, it's creating, it's creating a new um, ecosystem for for music and fans. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm I, I don't know. I, I'm like I I'm so curious to see how this kind of plays out in the future. What mm. legality, what infrastructure comes yeah. into play to standardize um, a lot of the experimentation that's been happening uh, uh, behind the scenes that has yet to be caught up on by the SEC. Um, and to really think and see, like, look at the data and see, does owning something, collecting an NFT of someone, entice that person to kind of further support and further sell and further listen to that artist and their craft? The best example we have of this is Board Ape Yacht Club and the absurd, like the complete insanity that comes from that community and how, how dedicated those people are to their craft, to, to one another to their brand, et cetera. And I wonder if that's going to hold true for uh, musicians, music artists. If a fan goes ahead and collects, whether it be a collectible for the sake of collecting or uh, an, an investment and you're able to earn royalties, if that really does change the relationship between the artist and the fan, we're still very much at like the pre-early inning to really see that thing yeah, come into play and to see it come to fruition. But we're seeing small instances of, uh, instances of how it does make a difference, right? But nothing yeah. fully to the extent where we've seen like like a Charlie D'Amelio blow up like she has on TikTok, for example, right? We mm -hmm. haven't seen like that happen in Web3. Like we haven't seen a Web3 native artist really take off in the, in, in the mainstream. And yeah. uh, I think intentionally because, again, we we're so early on. Yeah. And you know what? That's the best thing about starting a company, right? Because if you're investing in any company, I, I don't know. I have a plan myself of what I want to be doing in five years, but it might completely change. Right. It's like you just have to be ahead of the curve, know what's going on and be ready to kind of, you know, if someone else does something amazing, you've got to, you've got to take, take the positive out, take the positive out of that and keep working. Like we don't know, do we really? And it's probably, it's definitely the most exciting thing I've ever worked in. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. I hear you. I, I'm curious also on the website, you guys talk about, I have it right here on my right. Uh, copy, music copyright backed nfts i want to talk to you about copyright okay copyright is very much still a gray area i'd argue in uh, on chain excuse me and it's something that's actually quite difficult if you look back in like the limewire era 
I remember people used to upload songs to LimeWire and like pirate songs and they changed like the frequency or the, 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 the tune just a little bit uh, and upload it to LimeWire and it would kind of pass their content ID systems that would otherwise flag copyrighted material. And it makes you think we're, we're working and building on a network that's so open, so transparent and so borderless that a lot of these issues can kind of prevail again on chain. Sure, there's a level of ownership. Sure, there's a level of transparency you can trace back when something was uploaded first, whose wallet address it came from, but it still doesn't stop, for example, the pirating of music, let's say, okay? When you think of, when you think of copyright, okay, on-chain, and again, it's such a big topic. It, it extends way beyond just music, but for copyright on-chain for music, what does the perfect scenario look like to you? Yeah, the perfect scenario, right, would be that, you know, you create a piece of music, you put it on the blockchain. Every time anyone interacts with that music, you get, you know, it's recorded. Okay. Right. Because that's the problem in the music industry. It's like, I live in Brazil and I think something like 90% of the money that's supposed to go out doesn't go out because nothing is recorded. The, the way it works at the moment in the music industry, right? Say everybody plays, everybody in the UK pays, pays a license. So if you own a bar or a restaurant or anything like that, you have to pay a license to PRS. And then, someone from the PRS will come in to your bar once a year and say, well, you know, what songs have you played? And then they count that for the whole year, the whole year. So say you've got an independent song and it's played like, you know, 10 times in each, in each little thing. And you've had loads of plays. The chance that it will never get picked up ever. So pretty much all the money just goes straight back to the major labels because you're Ed Sheeran and all these other guys are the ones that they will always record. So all that money, is just, it's just not going back to everybody else. So the transparency and the recording of what your asset does is the most important thing. I think that's definitely going to happen, but you know we're a long way off because you need so many things to happen. But the blocks that we're building now, all of us music companies, will eventually, you know, allow that to happen. Yeah, I hear you. You know, my, my whole thing is like, it's still, it's still the whole idea behind these platforms of it being highly curated right and being very selective on who can publish and who can come on kind of like works towards solving the copyright issue right and legitimizing people's brands legitimizing people's platforms like the element of curation very much very much helps with minimizing copyright problems for now my question to you is like can platforms solve the issues of copyright without risking decentralization platforms on web3 correct um because again it's one thing to submit yeah. something to zora right a music nft and to publish something on zora it's another thing to get it published on opolis sound or catalog right there's a band of collectors that wait to buy things on those platforms that trust the curation process from those individuals but they're highly gated and highly centralized the technology right is inherently decentralized but I guess my question is a lot of their look, a lot of their answers as to why they keep things gated is of course one for exclusivity, but another an, another point is to maintain like the issues that would happen and would kind of like evolve with copyright issues, right? When when you have anybody publishing anything, right, and the issues that come with that, can these platforms continue to grow, continue to innovate, and also preserve the copyright issues without kind of like combating with decentralization and coming head to head with decentralization? right now no yeah. i think like i said before i think they will there's just there's no way now right we can't up yeah we i'd love to go straight into decentralization of everything wouldn't you but it's just not going to work in this system we need people in the middle to kind of record stuff and do so because there's nothing 
you know, we've probably got about 1% of what we need on chain at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think 10 years down the line, we will. Don't you? You want a system where... I'd like to you know, think so. We, that's the whole point, right? Because so you don't have a third party involved who can mess anything up or steal or act dishonestly. And that's what we need. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the, the, the primary winners right now are the ones who are making it easy to interact with these primitives, right? Mm -hmm. Who are making it easiest and most efficient and most approachable to interact with these primitives, right? And I think with that comes monopolies, with that comes empires that will end up being built despite our ethos and, and love for decentralization, which could be a good or bad thing. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think that's up for discussion because we're not just there uh, yet. But I don't know. It's something that I think about. Like, can, can Web3 music platforms really address copyright infringement while staying decentralized? You know, I don't know. I haven't gotten a clear answer on that just yet. Yeah, me neither. Good question. <laughs> I think if I, if, I, if, I, if I do, I'll let you know. But you're right. We don't have an answer right now, I'd say. Talk, talk to me more about like what, what are the future plans right now for, for Opolis? What can we look forward to? Uh, what's in the pipeline? What upcoming drops? I know you mentioned there's another one coming out in three weeks that you talked about briefly. But fill me in. What can we expect in the next few months to a year? Yeah, man. So we have our next NFC, SNFT coming out in a few weeks with a guy called Ard Ads, who's like one of my favorite UK rappers. He was like someone that Drake's been, I think it's like Drake's favorite UK rapper. He's just amazing independent guy who's done hundreds of millions of streams. Then I've got Kyle, his album. Um, we're just about to record a video with Tiger. Well, not me personally. Like, no one wants to see that. But <laughs> Tiger's about to record it for, for, and he's got an amazing single coming out. Um, we have an artwork website launching so that we'll be doing like artwork, our artwork drops alongside the SNFT sales. So you can buy, you can like kind of pre-register for the main sale by, you know, buying NFTs. We just did a 3D artwork drop with our ads. We have a new like artwork team that we're working with on that. Um, our own platform launches uh, next month with our own staking on it. And then we will have the copyright loans, which will be the next part where you can just stake um, USDC uh, and Opulus. And, you know, people will be taking loans out from that. We're building an exchange, a copyright exchange. So after they do the sales, um, you know, you can go and trade it, um, you know, in, in fractions of the song, which is awesome. Um, you know, something else. I forgot what I was going to say. And then I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to start paying the first royalties for the little pump song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> for all those, all those massive little pump fans out there, finally uh, all the waiting that they've been doing. Sick. They've probably never nice. had a little pump in their life. But, but that, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what I mean? I'm, that's probably the most thing I'm excited about. I work in digital distribution, right? So if I've got a song out, I don't get excited anymore because I've got so many artists. But I remember like, you know, I've got, we have a label. So we have like 20% of a song for doing the distro. And it's like, I get to see the stats from TikTok and Spotify and Apple and all the things like daily on what it's done. I'm like, let's sit in there. <laughs> now, everyone who's not in the music industry is now going to be able to do that, log into Oculus and see that, okay, well, this got used on TikTok yesterday. So it's just shot up on Spotify. You, you've made some more money. Mm. And it, it's so cool, man. And it's so addictive. And, you know, eventually people have just a library of songs in their account that they're probably just streaming themselves to death. And then, you know, checking the sales every day. We've already built that. I'm just waiting for the sales to come in so I can, I can get the, uh, I can get the data out. Insane. You know, another thing that hasn't really been tapped into yet uh, is there's already value locked in a lot of these collectibles, right? A lot of these music NFTs that people already have bought, whether they are ownership based or whether they are bought collectible based. You say bought in. Bought in. Excuse me. Bought <laughs> is that in. A word? 
I don't know. It's an award now. Oh, I'm it. making an award. Bot is my award. There you go. Mate, that is, it literally is your word. You've, congratulations. And it's there live on thing. Congrats, and it's man. live. I want everyone to quote me on that. Botten. Yeah. Is it bot Boughton. or botten? I've bot. definitely not heard botten before, but I love it, man. What about it's button? Button. <laughs> I think we're going a bit off track there. <laughs> I love it. My, my point is, is there's a lot of value locked in these music NFTs. Could there be a way for people to stake their NFTs in these NFT lending and borrowing protocols for them to extract that value? That's number one. Two, who would take a loan against these e-liquid JPEGs, these e-liquid uh, uh, <laughs> files? Yeah, man, that's some crazy person, right? I guess on the music side, that's pretty much exactly what we're doing. And we have a new CTO who was one of the, wasn't really the original NASA people, but he worked on a lot of the Web2 products. And we've been looking at, you know, different ways that, I get it's it's hard to explain at the moment because we don't have an out, but you know, and an NFT can obviously represent. So, all right, say you bought an Oculus NFT and you're saying, right, this earns a fact. I know this is going to earn a thousand pound a year because of we look at. Say you buy because we'll have albums that are old albums, right? So you mm -hmm. buy a catalog of an old Michael Jackson song. You've bought one percent that earns you a thousand dollars a year. You will then be able to take that onto the Oculus system and get a loan from it because we know what money you've got coming in. As regard as taking a loan from a from an NFT, from an NFT, I've thought about that as well. It's like, no thanks. If I was a bank, no, there's no way, right? Would you? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking you. Would you, is there a way to take loans against like e-liquid wave files and all these music collectibles that people are basically purchasing on chain? Is there a way to kind of pull all these assets together and take loans against them as a whole? I mean, is there in, a way? Is there a way to quantify the value of it? guess to an extent i mean the value is, is what it's been bought for the floor well, that's value, the thing right? right okay so i'm going to go and buy an nft for a million dollars it's worth five pence and then take a loan out from it actually i'll be in moron to do that anyway wouldn't i but you know i think that that's the problem right because you've still got to sell it to someone just because you you've put that as a value doesn't mean that's a value because you could no one would want to buy it what are you going to do then i guess my point is i have thousands of dollars of, of, <laughs> of nfts yeah. music nfts that i've bought in that are just sitting in my wallet the only thing that they provide me is access to the community. And even if the artist even has set up access and utility like that, I'm trying to think of how can I take it a step further as a collector and put my money to use that's locked in these collectibles. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with NFTs though, right? That's why we're going around yeah. in the same circle because where's the value? You know, you bought it. We got all excited. We bought it. There's, are you, you know, is that going to go and trade on the open market for the same price? Do you know if you tried to sell it? Do you know what the value is? Yeah, I mean, some of them have risen from like 0.1 to like 80th, right? Yeah, that's sick. Which is amazing, you know? Some of them are worth like 10 ETH and I bought them for 0.1. Amazing. Right? So you're so you're really are you are you collecting for collectibles? Are you, I mean, I guess we're all you're all in it to, to here's sell the, here's the question, thing. Right? There is like I I I have two perspectives. I think at one point it's going to end up like we're going to see the same wave that happened in March and February 2020. We saw that corporate artists, the Instagram artists transition into NFTs and end up being in Sotheby's and Christie's and doing exceptionally well through platforms like Nifty Gateway. I think mm -hmm. the same thing is going to happen with music artists. And if I could be a small part of that process and using my platform to help them once I collect something, I'm fucking happy. And yeah. if it just so happens that I can also ride the value that they generate for themselves and all the collectors, like why not? It's a win-win. But what, what do you class as a music NFT then? Are you classing a piece of artwork, the wave? What? Let's say, I buy, let's say I buy something off Zora. It's a wave mm -hmm. file, okay? A wave file with a piece of art. 
That's a gift. Mm-hmm. I can I can listen to that. There's value. I have an offer. Let's say for example, like a one ETH offer, and I bought it for point one. Right? Is that is that a gift that only you have, or is that are you? Because you remember when Tory. So let's say like let's talk about two situations. Let's say it's a one of one. It's only one that I have. Assuming it's one of one, and then let's take it from another point of view. It's a collectible. It's an addition of twenty five, addition of one hundred, addition of a thousand. Mm, yeah. So. Like who would buy an who would buy an a, a song that a thousand people have that zero x four three nine some random ass address wants it oh really let's just say yeah I mean it just so it, like you said it depends who wants to buy it right I mean okay that's why you've just got to be making sure you I mean the artists have got to be really careful and you know obviously we speak to a lot of artists every day some of them have just dove in and tried to make as much money as possible but the majority of musicians have been quite skeptical about the space. And honestly, that's why a lot of them like Oculus is because, okay, well, I can see you're actually doing something. My fans will appreciate that I'm not ripping them off because that's what an artist does not want to do, really. You know, if you're, if you have a huge fan base, someone like, uh, you know, a 50 Cent who's just massive and you kind of, they're not, it's not, an, you know, you can have independent artists who've got a ridiculously engaged fan base. Now they can't sell something because I get flat. If you're 50 and, you know, you've kind of got that mid fan base, you can, but for the most part, Fans are fans are very close to the artists, and they they can't sell something that's rubbish. And I think this is the main problem that we have at the moment as regards what an, a music NFT is and what the value is, you know. And I, I hope that's something you know we can we can change with Oculus. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to wrap off. That was actually the last question I had for you. But Lee, before I let you go, where can we find you specifically? Where can we learn more about Oculus and everything that you guys have in the pipeline? I am CEO Lee Parsons on Twitter. Um, that name was a joke when my brother and me started because we had no staff, but it's grown <laughs> into something that I hate now, but I can't change it. CEO Lee Parsons on Twitter, um, Opulus app on Twitter. Um, you can ask me anything on Twitter. And again, man, I really appreciate you. I know you've had some, some, some really big names on the show, man. You're obviously, uh, you're obviously really ambitious and hardworking, man. And you I know a lot more about you, NFTs thank you, thank than you, me. So, so thank you for inviting me on, man. And I'll make sure our community support as much as we can as well. Thank you, sir. We'll have to do this again once more yeah. drops come in and uh, Opulus's 10x is where it's at right now. I'm looking forward, bro. Excited. We Thank 10X. you. We're 10x down, but we're going back up, baby. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, Adam, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. What's up, guys? If you've gotten this far, then I owe you a listener badge NFT. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash poop, that's P-O-A-P, and click the respective season. Fill out your info and I'll distribute the free to mint NFT at the end of the season. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. You won't believe it, but it helps me out a ton. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you just simply want to chat. If you couldn't tell already, I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy. And it's no different if it's coming from you directly. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world. We'll catch you on the next episode.